0: Hey everybody, Craig here from Yes Have Some Podcast. Before we get started tonight, I wanted to talk a little bit about our ongoing partnership with the Ghostbusters Containment Unit Autograph Group. That group is run by my buddies, Matt and Tom. They are wonderful human beings. It's been awesome getting to know them and working with them. And they're total professionals. They are autograph experts. And right now they are running a private signing with Ernie Hudson. That's right, the Ghostbuster winston zedmore himself we had ernie on yes have some a couple weeks ago we talked about ghostbusters we talked about ghostbusters afterlife and of course we talked about this signing that they're doing now this is how a private signing works you're going to go to the ghostbusters containment unit facebook page they also have a private facebook group i recommend joining wonderful discussion about collecting ghostbusters autographs and you're going to find the post where they talk about the private signing and you're going to contact them to let them know what you want they have Photos available. You can do 8x10s, 11x14s, things like that. Or you can also send in your item. Let's say you've got a poster, you've already got signed by Dan Aykroyd, or you're working on a project, or you've got an action figure of Winston that you want to get signed. You can send it directly to them. They will get it signed for you. You can get it personalized. You can get anything you want on there, quotes from the movie, things of that nature, and then they send it right back to you. It's wonderful. Keep in mind the deadline is November 6th, 2020, so just a few more days until you can get that order in and secure the autograph. We want you to get in on the Ernie Hudson signing, and as an added bonus, we are partnering with our friend John Urkaba, who you very much know. He is a wonderful artist and is doing an exclusive Winston Zedmore Ernie Hudson print. 10 lucky folks who sign up for this private signing will get the bonus print signed by Ernie Hudson himself. It's kind of like a Willy Wonka, YHS containment unit, golden ticket type of situation. So head to the Ghostbusters containment unit, get in on the Ernie Hudson private signing and get in on all of their upcoming exciting, we can't even talk about it yet. That's how exciting we think it's gonna be, uh, private signings and uh, do it. Just do it. Come on. I don't want to beg. Just do it. I'm getting some autographs. I know you are too. Ernie Hudson's the best. Let's get on with the show. Okay, here we go. I don't want to grow up. I'm Do
1: you want Jurassic Park. Now playing the Ecto-Gongles with Ecto-Bomber. Neutrona Blaster and Water Zapper. Separate. sold separately.
2: The corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Starkiller Base. This is Yes Have Some Podcast. You like? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend, I'm looking for a Jedi Master. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner,
0: and Jacob Walsh. Okay, everybody, welcome to Yes Have Some Podcast for an awesome, awesome interview that we've got coming up. By the way, I'm saying it's awesome before it happened, Uh, but I don't expect it to crash and burn. Uh, But hey, you never know. It's wild out here on the internet. Uh, I have no idea what any of that meant. Abigail Gardner is joining me. As usual, how are you What's tonight? Up, y'all? I'm uh, doing
2: well. Thank good, you. good. And
0: we're, we're talking about the Orange Years tonight, the brand new documentary about the history of Nickelodeon. Very exciting stuff. Excited to talk about it with the director, Scott Barber. Scott, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, first of all, we got to get to know you a little bit. So where are you in the world? And and how are you doing? Um, What is it like to release a movie in the most insane year of all time?
1: Yeah, uh, so I'm in Houston, Texas. Okay. Um, And it's very interesting. You know, we're just honestly, you know, we finished this movie, it debuted um, about two years ago, almost to the day um, at doc NYC in New York. And, uh, you know, so we've been sitting on this movie for a while. Uh, so we're honestly, we're just really excited to get it out there and have people actually get to see it. Uh, it's a bummer that it's, you know, that the world is going through what it's going through right now. Um, but you know, we're, we, we hope we can maybe bring some smiles to some faces in this, you know, these crazy times.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, Abby, you and I watched it this morning. Yes. And the only way I can describe it, if you're in our age bracket, if you're you know, I was born in 84, Abby, 85. So we're right. If you're in that, I'm going to say between the ages of 32 and 42, something along those lines, it's like a pure injection of like every emotion you can feel as a human being. Uh, yeah. it, it I, I, when it was over, I somehow felt, uh, extremely nostalgic. And also, uh, there was that, that sadness that you also get because you just, you, you just relived like, you know, 15 years of your life in an hour and a half. And, uh, it just kind of, it hits all these buttons. So Scott, talk to us a little bit about how this documentary like came to be and and what, you know, what went into the planning, because you guys got everybody, like you talked to, Ah. to, you know, Obviously, Mark Summers was there, uh, a must have uh, for any uh, Nickelodeon documentary. But uh, yeah, so what what was the planning like and how did you get this thing off the ground?
1: Yeah, so to start it off, I made this movie, uh, me and one of my friends from childhood, actually, his name is Adam Sweeney. He was the co-director on this film with me. And, uh, you know, he and I had written some scripts in the past. Um, We were always, you know, super interested in in the art of filmmaking. And we really wanted to make something from start to finish instead of just writing a script and selling it and, you know, hoping somebody picks it up and, you know, getting all those notes about sellability and market trends and stuff like that. We said we wanted to take matters into our own hands and make a film, uh, all the way through. And so we kind of thought about what about a documentary? Uh, and we were kind of bouncing that around because also we were kind of making like little mini documentaries, uh, as part of our day job for other people. <laughs> okay. So we were kind of doing these like, corporate versions of, yeah, of what we wanted to do. And it's like, we could totally make a documentary. You know, we're, we're basically doing it for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just make, uh, let's make a documentary. So we kind of thought about what, you know, what would be interesting, what hadn't been done before, what people could be passionate about, and also what we were passionate about. And uh, so we thought about uh, a bunch of different things and Nickelodeon was one that came up. And so we started doing some research first to see was there a Nickelodeon documentary out there? And there wasn't. And then also we did more research then to say, okay, that's great. It's a neat idea. There's the nostalgia factor, but is there a story there because there has to be a story or what are you doing other than just kind of taking a walk down memory lane. And when we kind of found out about Geraldine Laybourne and her team, that's when we're like, Oh yeah, hell yeah. There is a, awesome story there that i think a lot of people don't know about you know people remember if you say salute your shorts hey dude double dare people remember all those shows but they don't know what went on behind the scenes so that's what made us go this this is it we got to do this we have to do this and we we joke because we really dove in like feet first you know we just started a indiegogo um to make the movie and we we had booked absolutely people ask us all the time they're like did you have like an in with people nope we had nobody booked at all (laughs) for all we knew people could have said no you know uh but you know our indiegogo was successful and that's another thing we didn't think about you know when you make a documentary about a movie you know you you kind of just get the cast of that one movie you know you get five six people and you're good you know um but we were making a documentary about 20 years of a network. (laughs) So there were a lot of people that we knew we had to get. That was one thing that I think we knew going into it, but still it was like, wow. Yeah. We got to get a lot of different people for this to feel real for this to really hit all the things we want to hit. And so that was definitely a chore, especially for our first documentary. This is the first movie Adam and I have ever made. Um, and to book that many people <laughs> was definitely a chore all in its own. But, you know, luckily, everybody was so cool. Like, everybody was so awesome. There were people that, you know, that have that are not in show business anymore that were still excited to do it. There are some people, uh, you know, that have gone on to be huge stars since then that very well could have been like, you know, no, that's not me anymore. I'm not the Nickelodeon guy. I'm something else now that still were like, yes I would love to talk about that with you guys because I never get to talk about that you know yes. there are some people that have gone on to be power players in Hollywood uh there's a guy Graham yost <clears throat> and he was a big director on hey dude <laughs> and he also went on to do speed band of brothers uh sneaky Pete and he's like you know what no one ever asks me about hey dude yes I would love to sit down <laughs> with you and talk about hey dude and of course you know there's Keenan Thompson who's you know, and now he's officially like the longest running member of Saturday Night Live. He very well could have been like, guys, I mean, and that's, a. I mean, just to be on Saturday Night Live makes him a super busy dude. Not mm-hmm. to just mention he's working on a pilot for a show. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And he, he took time. I was like, I'd love to talk about all that. All that is where my career came from. I definitely have time for you. So it was a chore. But the fact that Nickelodeon was such a special thing to all those people as well that were on it. Made it a lot easier because everyone was super excited to talk to us.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I was going to say that's a testament to the people working at Nickelodeon. And you can feel that watching the documentary that they just put all their heart and passion into it. And of course, it's something they want to reflect on and remember, which is it it just really shows in the documentary. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. I I think uh, you touched on something that's really cool. We don't want to give away too much. We want people to go see the movie and experience it (laughs) uh, for the first time. But the, what, you know, when you're a kid and you're, you're, you know, in that world of watching Nickelodeon or MTV or, or whatever, you know, because like, I think it's a little bit hard to, to kind of explain that to kids these days. Not that I, you know, am going around teaching kids about like cable TV, like this, you know, we didn't have Fortnite. We just had, you know, six hours of Nickelodeon. Um, but when you're a kid you're just experiencing it right so you don't i've never really even thought about the that history so the way you guys really started at the beginning um you talked about the pinwheel stuff which like i said 84 there there was it was like triggering things in my brain it was like that looks and feels familiar um it's tapping into to some early memory that you know i didn't know it was accessing files i didn't know i had kind of thing uh mm-hmm. but that's the the through line of the like really these Awesome, powerful women who who yeah. who really you know they they kind of that
2: that shit that resonated with me so powerfully. Sorry, Craig, to take over. No, it's fine. I just, want, I, just I want to take over honestly because I was <laughs> raised homeschooled in like a a very religious environment. So watching Nickelodeon was kind of my only outlet to the world, and it meant so much to me to be able to feel understood and to have something that I could like kind of get away with seeing, um, that maybe if my parents knew everything about it, they wouldn't allow me to see it like Rocco's Modern Life. But it's like, it felt so special for me. Um, and to see the story of like how that idea of like kids feel downtrodden and just kind of shit on and like misunderstood and being able to like highlight that, make it funny, make the slime come down. All of that was like, oh, well, that's something that really impacted me as a kid. And right. that's, it's great. I really enjoyed seeing that. Yeah.
0: That, and that's, that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, that notion of not talking down to kids, right? Like Mm
2: -hmm.
0: leveling with them being like, Hey, being a kid's hard. Here's kids your age, you know, whether it's the game shows or, or the, the live action shows or whatever. And they're, they're kind of like experiencing what it's like to be a kid in like real time. Um, you know, even like, when you would watch like same kind of time bracket, like when you watch like saved by the bell or something, which I love Save by the bell, but there's nothing about that. That feels like any sense of reality. So I relatable think relatable
2: content. Not yeah. so much. Yeah.
0: Um, So Scott, so you guys got the Indiegogo. Uh, it was successful. You start piecing it all together. Were there any kind of like hiccups or surprises along the way? Like, Um, Because like you said, you got like major players to participate and then you've got all these TV executives and sometimes people also don't like um, kind of waxing poetic about their own careers and and reminiscing. Sometimes it's hard to get people to kind of understand like the story you're trying to tell.
1: So you're asking basically – were there any anybody that maybe didn't want to talk about it or
0: what did you have to sell anybody on the idea? Like did, 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 did the people involved or the people that were involved with Nickelodeon, especially like the higher ups, the executives, the TV people, did, are they aware of that impact or is it sometimes when you're in it, you don't always take time to reflect on like what that impact is. So, um, I know I'm covering a lot of ground. So what I'm asking, yeah. <laughs> what I'm asking is, is like, as you guys started gathering people, did you kind of have to sell anybody on 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 what you were doing, or did people kind of get it right away?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We we definitely had to sell people in the beginning, for sure. Because, like I said, you know, if, if you get a chance, anyone should look up our Indiegogo. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the video, but. All it is is me and Adam. <laughs> There's nothing else. It's us talking about what we want to do. At one point, I'm in these little hot pink shorts. like <laughs> So you can imagine that after we got the money, we're like, okay, now we have to actually make the movie. Um, when we were reaching out to people in the beginning, um, it was difficult because people were like, you go, who are you guys? Y'all have never made a movie. This is you guys in this video. You're just two guys from Texas making a movie about Nickelodeon. Um, and people were really nice. They were polite, but you could tell they were like now. So what is your vision here? What do you guys want to do? Um, and it was very difficult in the beginning once we got our first round of interviews and we were able to kind of, um, cut a little mini trailer together that, um, we actually debuted at, um, New York city comic-con Tight. Once we had that um, and we were able to show people this is kind of what we're trying to do. And also, once we would we had interviewed like the first round of people, they were able to go to their friends and go, "Hey, these guys are totally cool. They're not weirdos. I promise. You should, <laughs> you, should you should, you should do this interview." Um, that helped us a lot. You know, like we interviewed Elisa Reyes, um, who is a, a cast member of all that, and uh, she's since become a very close friend. Um, and she was like. Hey, I want to be involved in this. I don't just want to be interviewed in this. I want to be a part of this. And so she came on board as a producer and really helped us so much, you know, give us a different perspective. And um, she was able to help open some doors for us. Kenan Thompson, Larissa Olenek, you know, people that she knew to say, Hey, I'm a part of this. This is something that's going to be good. I promise you. Uh, so yeah, it got easier and easier and easier as we went, but in the beginning it was, it was difficult and people were kind of like, what kind of story are you going to tell? Are you, um, you know, there are certain people that have had a difficult time, like Amanda Bynes, you know, and I think people understandably were worried. Maybe we would be somewhat exploitive of some of those things. And we're not, that's not what we're, we're not trying to make a documentary that exploits anybody. We're trying to highlight people that didn't get the credit that they deserve essentially.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And unsung heroes,
1: unsung heroes. We're really tr- I think that, um, it's a triumphant story and you know, so we, I think that it, it doesn't need that, you know, I, thank you guys for watching it and I appreciate your feedback. Cause to me, it just to go put in, Oh, who was doing drugs off of who and who was, you know, all that. It just didn't need that, you know? No. It, and so it really gives, it highlights the work of Geraldine Laybourne, Ann Sweeney, Angela Santamero, all of these people that, that, that basically shaped your childhood, like yeah. shaped, uh, both generation X and millennials. I mean, there's a bunch of people that, that, that they shaped the world in a lot of ways. You know, the idea of cartoons, not just being on Saturday morning, they started that, you know, we take that for granted now, but they started that, you know? Um, so anyway, yeah, it, 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 there were people that were worried in the beginning, understandably so. And we were just like, that's not the story we're trying to tell, you know? Um, and, uh, it got easier and easier and yeah, it it, it was just a, it was an amazing experience.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting too, because, you know, we're, we host a pop culture podcast, so uh, nostalgia and and taking a look back is. I mean, if you can see behind me, all of my oh yeah, <laughs> all of my toys. Um, it's just part of our day to day life. So for me, my experience watching it, or Abby's experience uh, watching it, is you know, it's touching on. It, it hit all the notes I wanted it to hit because it's like it covers a lot of ground, right? Like you said, like it's a long, I mean, we're talking, I don't know when you can't do that on television launched, but I'm guessing that's like mid eighties, 85, 86, something along those lines, 87 even. And it, you know, it goes all the way through, um, Almost to you know the late '90s or early 2000s. So mm-hmm. um, when I think about Nickelodeon, it's kind of compartmentalized. You've got the game shows, you've got the animation, you've got the live action. Nick News was a huge part. Mm. Me and Abby kind of had this uh, uh, conversation today because, like, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk about it because it was kind of a seminal moment in, in Nickelodeon mm. history. The uh, the Magic Johnson HIV Nick News moment, like that entire thing. I haven't seen that uh, segment since I watched it originally. And as soon as it started, it was like flood of tears. Like, Oh my God, this was yeah. like a, this was a, a really, uh, an important moment, like in the world and in America and to talk openly with kids about mm-hmm. that subject matter, like in that
2: groundbreaking, like format, like where they're just sitting all on the couch together, just able to discuss it and feel their feelings. It's right.
0: Right. And so it, but, it, but it took me right back. to So like where, I remember Salute Your Shorts and Nick Arcade and all of that stuff. That was one of those moments where it just unlocked something. And I wonder, I feel like a lot of people are, I can't recommend the documentary enough. We watch a lot of documentaries. We've been in a documentary. We won't go down that road. Uh, But, uh, you know, this is something really special. And it's because of the things, Scott, you were just saying. It's not, there's no exploitation. It's pure, like, this is a story of your childhood kind of thing. And like, it's a story I didn't know. Like, obviously I take in all the content as a kid, but I didn't, you know, I never even thought to look at the history of Nickelodeon and how it all came together. And, uh, it's really special. That's all I can say. Yeah, it's really special. To find special. a bunch of
2: bright, badass women behind that. Like that was extremely inspiring and joyful for me. I really took away from that. Like it's a, that, cause there, it was growing up watching Nickelodeon was so different from Disney and, So different from any other like regular cartoon programming that there's something distinctly about it that now as I'm going back and watching the documentary, I'm like, oh, having representation for smart, intelligent females who are thoughtful and don't have to just be dependent on boyfriends. Oh, that... Clarissa explains it all. No wonder that shaped so much in my life. And I I just love it. And no wonder there were smart women behind that. It was really full circle.
0: Yeah, Scott, I was going to bring that up to you. Like, I loved Clarissa. that was one of my favorite shows. And uh, in the documentary, you guys specifically talked about how um, there was this old uh, kind of uh, you know, standard in television that girls will watch boys shows, but boys won't watch a show with a girl. And I always liked Clarissa never even thought about anything other than she's just cool. And she's just hanging out and she's weird and quirky like me. Like, I love that. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Go figure. If you just, if you just present her as a regular person, people will like it, you know, go figure, you know, it's, yep. it's uh, same with me. I loved Clarissa. I loved Alex Mack a, mm-hmm. a lot as well. Um, and both of those could have easily been a boy character, but yeah. it was so genius to be like, Hey, let's just make it a girl and let's just make her like totally cool. And, 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 and it, there's no girls and boys will watch something if it is good. And those shows were both great. They would have been fine if they had a boy, it would have been, it was, still would have been a good show. It wouldn't have been as groundbreaking, but yeah, so many, you know, uh, Geraldine Laybourne says that in our doc, you know, the reason why boys didn't watch girl shows back then is because most of the girl shows were created by old men <laughs> right. who were, who were making shows for what they thought girls liked. So G-Raw. yeah, no wonder. Yeah. yeah.
2: No masters of the universe. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: no wonder they weren't good, yeah, you know, because exactly. they weren't, they weren't what kids really wanted anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. we're, we're theme park enthusiasts as well. Um, I don't think there's anything we're not actually enthusiasts about, uh, but, <laughs> yes. uh, I need less hobbies basically is what I'm saying. Um, but all the Nick studio stuff was like, because my, I was oh, one, I don't know, Scott, you said you're from Texas. I don't know where you grew up, but like, I'm I grew up in Atlanta. We're in Atlanta. So like we were in Orlando twice a year, my entire childhood. And it was like, uh, you know, when Nick studios opened and like, I went on that tour so many times, like, uh, it it's, uh, yeah, it's just amazing to go back and see like that original footage, like Mark Summers hosting the the grand opening and everything. Like, I mean, yeah. how cool is that? It's just so great. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I'm glad you guys covered that in so much detail. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thanks. You know, and I never got to go
1: as a kid. I never got to go to Nickelodeon studios. Um, so it was really neat to get to like research it and, uh, and present that whole thing because really Nickelodeon, it was, it became something bigger than a network. It really, at the end, you know, by the late nineties, it was no longer a network. It was a full blown phenomenon. It was a place you could go. It was something that you could have. It was, it was just, it was everything.
0: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And you guys talk- yeah, I never got to go, sorry, um to universal or to Nickelodeon Studios when it was open either. So I've gone back to YouTube, like other people's home movies of their tours of Nickelodeon Studios <laughs> to watch. Uh, so it was really great to see all that stuff behind the scenes of like, oh, this is where you walk through and how you can see the stage and the stage.
0: And Abby does have the shirt on, though, the vintage yes, tee. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I saw <laughs> that, but yeah.
2: I got it off eBay. So. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, I remember – well, um, now this show wasn't talked about. There's so many shows also that like you guys – you you covered so much but there's there's always those one everybody has their their secret favorites so like my brother and me was one of my favorite ones yeah and yeah, uh, me too. i remember uh taking the nick tour and they were filming it, and it was that part where you guys talk about where, like, you can kind of walk between the sound stages and look through the glass. And I remember, you know, we weren't in the studio audience, but we were watching it. And I just remember being like, "No, I need to be down there!" Like, because you know, when you're a kid, you you come up mm-hmm. with that fantasy, mm-hmm. like they're gonna see me. They might put me in a couple scenes. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so funny. Yeah, I'm so hilarious. They're gonna put me in a
0: few scenes. Um, and then um, the Double Dare Live Tour, I went to that. Um, Funny story. I don't think I've ever told the story in the podcast. So um, the Double Dare live tour, they would kind of do games throughout the show. And at the very end, they would kind of recreate a, a full, you know, Double Dare game with, with the, the two families. And they would pick the two families out of the audience. And um, they did an intermission. I'll never forget my family, the four of us gathering, because you got to like act crazy. Right. And uh, 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 so, you know, you're in a huge arena. Like they're really going to pick you, but my family had like a strategy, and I was like 11. My brother was eight. And we put this whole strategy together. And then we go back out. We had like front row tickets. So I was like, this is a surefire thing. My life is about to change for the better. And uh, they announced that um, you have to be 10 years old to participate. And my brother was eight. And I literally, I it was the leaving. first time I felt <laughs> resentment in my life. I was looking at him like, you mother. Like, uh, <laughs> great. I'm going to watch some other family win the, uh, you know whatever the Nintendo and all that stuff. So, uh, but just a fantastic memory to like go get to do that. So when you guys talked about the tour, I was like, Oh, it's the best.
2: Yeah. Very, very
0: cool. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so Scott, so what happens now? So you guys, the documentary's done. It's going to be available VOD. Um, how are you guys getting the word out? What, what's the early, like, are, you know, I wonder how people are going to react. Like, especially maybe the kids who like grew up and like, haven't thought about Nickelodeon in like 20 years. Those are the reactions I'd be most interested in kind of like, you know, hearing about.
1: Yeah, me too. So yeah, I mean, we're super excited. It's, you know, you can pre-order it on iTunes. Um, It's going to be on Amazon as well. And we do have DVDs and stuff that you can get off of Amazon as well. So that's where it's going to be first. Um, Hopefully after that it's on one of the more like subscription, like, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon prime. That's where we're all hoping it moves to, um, after it's, you know, been here for a while. Right. Um, and we're just getting the word out any way we can, you know, thanks for having us here. You know, we're yeah. excited to talk about it. I, I can't wait. I love it when people say, I forgot about that show, yeah. you know, I uh, or, or some people said, I never knew where the slime came from. And mm-hmm. the fact that it was on, you can't do that on television. Like I love it when people say I learned things I didn't know, um, you know, cause obviously that's the point, you know, right, but, right, um, right. I forget that there are some things like, cause to me it's like, well, duh. Yeah. Like I knew that's where the slime came from. But if you're a couple years younger, you know, then you, you don't remember that. Cause slime is still a huge part of, of Nickelodeon to this very day. Yep, yep. So, you know, a lot of these kids that are, you know, 10, 12 years old, they're watching Nickelodeon. They, they of course have no idea. Cause they're not going to remember a show that was in the, you know, the mid eighties.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking today before we watched it. Now, Abby, you did not, you were not that familiar with, um, you can't do that on television before no, today, not. like a couple yeah. years before. So,
2: so that was a big reveal to me. Like that <laughs> I, Yeah. I had like a vague memory of maybe like what the lockers looked like, but I'd never seen an episode. So I was like, okay, this I, is a lot of backstory I grew and to- I like it.
0: Sorry, I grew to appreciate it over time. I remember being a kid, like being six or seven, where like salute your shorts and um uh hey dude were, were like the new shows, but they would still show the reruns of you can't do that on mm-hmm. television. And it was it was just that thing where you get possessive of like that's not my show, these are my shows, but like over time you just you know, you love it all. Um uh Scott, what what were some of your favorites though growing up? Oh my gosh. You know, I, I did
1: love You Can't Do That on Television. Yeah. It was one of those shows that, you know, it had Nickelodeon kind of, in addition to the green slime that Nickelodeon took from You Can't Do That on Television, that show was extremely influential. Like the whole idea of being a little bit naughty, you yeah. know, like some yeah. of the jokes are like, oh, I don't know if I should be watching this, right. you know, that <laughs> right. later on you'd see on like Rocco, Ren and Stimpy, yep. all of those shows. That's how You Can't Do That on Television was as well. Right, so, right. That show, I think, really—I I got a lot of my sense of humor for, to this very <laughs> yeah, day from yeah, yeah, from yeah, that yeah. that show. Yeah, um, that show meant a lot to me. Uh, Salute Your Shorts was another one that I just absolutely loved. Oh, yeah. um, I think that show is great because the characters seem very real. Like, you do have like your archetypes, you know, your stereotypes, like the bully, the nerd, but they kind of are a little more fleshed out yep. than a lot of stuff was. You know, like, for example, Donkey Lips, Michael, played by Michael Ray Bauer, he's kind of like a bully in the early seasons. And later on, he kind of transitions to being right. more of a sympathetic character. And that's, like, how life really is, you know? Yeah, right, a right. story
2: arc. Most people, most kids' shows yeah. don't have that, like, depth. So right. that's very...
1: Right. Totally. I, I, and I agree. I love that show. I loved, uh, you know, my if I had to say my favorite, which... That's so incredibly hard to do, but I would probably say Are You Afraid of the Dark okay. is my favorite show. Uh, it's got the whole horror aspect, which to this very day, you know, I love horror films. Uh, the idea of kids having their own midnight society where they meet yeah. in the woods is super cool. Awesome. And the fact that, you know, you think about it, that, was, that show was so it pushed boundaries because the idea is to scare the shit out of little kids (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. it scared
2: the shit out of me yeah you know it
1: it was so scary and the fact that nickelodeon is like hey let's put a show on that just scares kids like most networks absolutely would not have the guts to do that and they did and it and a lot of those shows did not have happy endings on uk uh, on uh are you afraid of the dark? A lot of times the kids ended up like trapped in another dimension (laughs) or, you know, being chased by a monster and that's just how it ended. Yeah. I I think that's really, really interesting. And the fact that um, DJ McHale, the creator of that show, you know, he had to cast different kids on every show. You know, he couldn't just cast the midnight society and that's it. You know, Uh, every single episode had it. What a, what a challenge, you know, that is. And, and you can see how many of those kids, went on to be huge stars. You know, Nev Campbell was on an early episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Ryan Gosling, you know, all these people that went on to be huge stars got, you know, maybe didn't get their start, but that was one of the first things they were ever on. So you can tell, obviously, he had an eye for talent. So I watched every Halloween, I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark? and to me it just it really holds up you know it really does
0: yeah i mean it, it it's just part of um you know snick in general like i remember uh, the promotions yeah. for snick uh i remember specifically as like i didn't you know it was kind of like viral marketing before viral marketing because they they were dropping like, it was just like Snick is coming, you know, it, you know, three weeks till SNCC, but they didn't tell you what it was, which was the, uh, the Saturday night block of television on Nickelodeon. And I remember asking mm-hmm. my mom what Snick meant. I remember I was like, mom, what is Snick? Nickelodeon's got Snick, but I don't know this word. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know what that says about me, but, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. I,
2: there's a lot about Nickelodeon. It's yeah.
0: Smart they are. But right yeah, I know. But, like but i have a lot of these memories like i have very seminal moments like i've probably got 15 nickelodeon related stories i've got the night that i thought i was going to be on slime time live even though i wasn't picked to be a contestant in my head i thought they were going to still call me and like there was a tornado warning and like the the tv went out and i was <laughs> freaking out because like, I was like screaming at my mom I was like, I'm supposed to be on Slime Time Live. She didn't have the heart to tell me like, you're not going to be on Slime Time Live. <laughs> hey, uh, you know, we don't have a video phone. All those kids are on video phone. Um, So that, and then I went to a, a taping of guts too, down in Orlando. Wow. And, yeah. And right. so it was, it was amazing. It was uh during, I'm trying to get the year. It it was during a time where they were having a a different Olympic athletes as guest stars. And I was there when Peekaboo Street was there. I think she's a skier, Um, which uh, was, was cool. But the thing I, as a kid, you don't realize when you went to a taping of Guts, you didn't see the whole show. You saw one event three times. Because right, they it up, because yeah. it took so long to um you know tear down and everything. So um so you saw three different tapings with three groups of kids, and it was the uh the bungee cord basketball one. Um so it was great, but also I was like, I thought I was gonna see the aggro crag. Come on. Yeah, that's what you <laughs> right, want to see. You saw Agro how the
2: sausage was made right. instead of the aggro
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and still in my head, I thought for some reason they were gonna you notice the running theme that I always thought I was going to get picked for something and I never did. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, just really great memories. And in this documentary, just, just it, like, it's almost like it just rustled everything up. Like I've been on eBay today, looking at Nickelodeon merch. Um, uh,
2: yeah, I was watching the Rugrats Halloween episode. Yeah. Um, literally, cause yeah, the Nicktoons in particular, that was my jam. Like having parents who um you know kind of monitored what we watched if it was animated it was like oh that's fine so Rocco's modern life like that subversive humor like my brother and I were like this is this is what we're all about <laughs> so yeah it makes me want to go back and collect Rocco stuff and rugrats <laughs> and we're big collectors obviously so I have a feeling I'll be on eBay later tonight yeah. blowing some money.
0: Scott you guys talked about that in the documentary about how there was a at first kind of a reluctance to to merchandise. Uh, a lot of the stuff. And then over time, uh, they couldn't help it basically. Like, uh, you know, when when Gak's put in front of you, you you got to sell yeah. Gak.
2: Right.
1: And I think it's interesting though, that up until that point, you know, the toy always came first, you know, whether it was He-Man, My Little Pony, Transformer, the toy came first. Mm-hmm. And literally the cartoon was just a commercial to get kids to buy the toy. 100%. That's all it was. 100%. And so, I think that's why Nickelodeon had a hard time. They wanted to not do that. Understandably so. And I think it's really cool though, that the, the, the merchandise that they did have, it wasn't trying to sell the show or the show, trying to sell the merchandise. Like the main thing that you remember is GAC. Well, that's not from a show. You know what I mean? It's not like they were selling action figures of the midnight society. As cool as that would have as cool right. as that I need those know.
0: right now <laughs>
2: we want them
1: but it was
2: like creative imaginative yes own thing with it, which kind of furthers their whole like purpose and, and
1: absolutely event.
2: yeah which is and Nick,
1: cool. Nickelodeon magazine that they had you know it it like Chevy Chase was on the cover of one you know it was it, it they didn't just talk about Nickelodeon shows they taught, which they very well could have done that the Nickelodeon magazine could have just been an advertisement for all the shows coming up, but it wasn't, it was about all sorts of stuff that kids were dealing with. I mean, they were advertising movies and other shows on other networks. So I think that that's really cool that even when they did merchandise, it was more, it had to be organic. If kids were, if kids were asking for it, and that's kind of, when I talked to Jerry Laborn about it, that's more what it was. If kids are asking for it, they'll give it to them, but they didn't want to tell kids what you want. Like, Hey kids, don't you want He-Man? Here he is. Here's a new he He-Man. Man. Slightly he- different. Right, yeah. right, right, right. This right. He-Man's a little different than the other He-Man you already bought, but you got to have this one because it's got a little bit different sword, you know? Right. It was more organic. And right. yeah, Gak, who didn't want Gak, you know? And it was not part of any show.
0: No, or Flome, yeah. Big Flome fan. Floam was cool. Phloam. You know, mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of documentaries on things like Masters of the Universe and the way, and it's 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 the same, five or six, just eighties Mattel executives saying we needed to figure out a way to sell as many toys as possible. And then you watch your documentary and it's like, we want to relate to kids. We want to give kids entertainment that they want, like going into the classroom. Let's go into the
2: classroom and talk to them and see what they're into and what their struggles are rather than like trying to create a character based on what we don't know. (laughs) Market research.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So really good stuff. Scott, like I said, we watch a lot of documentaries. This one, uh, this is a, this is a winner. I hope everybody goes Stand out, out yeah, uh, and rents it and buys it. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just great. Um, so you've put a lot of work into this years. It seems right now it's out. Is it feel, yeah. is it like a little bittersweet now or, or are you just, is it like relief?
1: You know, it is a little bittersweet. There, there is definitely a relief because you know, for for the longest time, you know, we just wanted to get it out there. That's all we've wanted to do is, you know, when you sit with something for so long, yeah. you start second guessing it. You know, you're like, I think it's pretty good, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> me and like my five friends have seen it, you know, and we did we did debut it at Doc NYC, but this is even an updated version since then. Okay, um, it's I think it's a I, I'm really proud of what we premiered at Doc NYC, but I think this is a lot stronger. Um, we got we got more stuff after that. Um, because yeah, we had time to sit on it. So we're like, let's just continue to work on it and and make it better and better and better. So I think it's, I'm really proud of it, but you know how it is when you, when you, you're the only one who's seen it and maybe a handful of people, you're like, I guess it's good. I hope (laughs) people like it. You know? So the fact that now we're finally showing it to people and people are like, Oh yeah, this is cool. We're like, ah, good. You know? Um, so we're excited, you know, the same way everyone got to share in Nickelodeon to kind of share this thing that that we've made it, you know, we made so many awesome relationships, you know, both with the people, I I kind of, the analogy that I use with me and Adam is kind of like the hobbits in Lord of the Rings. Um, I don't know. You guys are. Samwise and Frodo. Yeah. 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 Where it's, it might've started with us, but once we got out of the, the Shire, we developed a whole brotherhood and sisterhood of all these people that helped us. And to get to work with those people, it was amazing. The, yeah. people, the, the team that, that came together to work on this movie is amazing. And I do miss them, but luckily, you know, I hope I get to work with them again on another project.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, and that's one thing I was kind of thinking about as watching it is like, you know, especially like if you think like the cast of all that, or the cast of Hey Dude or whatever, like, there's only five or six people in the world who shared that exact same experience. And it's not relatable, right? Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, Keenan Thompson, uh, and, uh, the other cast members, like that they, they were on all that, you know, that there's like a brotherhood. And like you said, a brotherhood and a sisterhood that forms. Um, and so to be able to tap into that and to see people, talk about it so fondly is just is really great one of my favorite moments and i think people know this but i completely forgot about it um when chris farley was on all that and like right. to see i was it was like mind-blowing i'm like that. chris farley and keenan thompson like like the like keenan is an snl hall of famer i personally i think the um you know that he's one of the he's one of the all-time greats at this point he's yeah. so consistently funny and always my favorite thing happening on that show. Um, and the fact that he was in a, a sketch with Chris Farley and it's mm-hmm. funny, it's like out of this world, funny, like, I oh, was so. And so, stated
2: that he was inspired by his, by Chris Farley's professionalism, which speaks to how he is now on SNL, like right, the, right. the anchor that he is. So yeah. that's very cool. So
1: professional. And that sketch, you know, is crazy. They did that one and done, you know, that, that shows how professional they were like as, as crazy and hectic as Chris Farley was, you know, the, to hear that from Keenan that it was like they came in and did it and mm-hmm. and and they took it, it it's a silly thing but they took it really serious that is really great to because a lot of times you're like oh Chris Farley and SNL or uh, Chris Farley and Keenan Thompson they were never on SNL at the same time it's like right but they were on all that you know so you mm-hmm. can't get to see that it's kind of like getting to see two all stars together and one thing i i cannot stress enough is like how nice Keenan Thompson is like everybody was nice Like everybody, everybody was nice, but like, if anybody could kind of pull a little bit of a rock star thing and it would be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's that dude, you know? And I mean, he just was so kind. He like, was like, thanks for making this film. And we're like, dude, thank you for making our film. You know, Like, like the fact that you're in it, like elevates it so much. And he, he gave us his time and was so like that. He was so nice and professional, like just like a, a, a stand-up guy. Yeah. Um, but and everybody was. Everybody, everybody completely was awesome.
2: Yeah, but when your star player also stand up, dude, it's nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause we were like, you know, we we were like, do you need uh hair and makeup? And he's like, no, I don't need hair and makeup. We're like because <laughs> we try to offer that to people because right, like if yeah. you're gonna be in our film, yeah, we're, we'll at least make you look good, you know. You know, we're like, do you need us to come pick you up? You know, and I'm thinking, oh, is he, if we do, is he going to need a limo? He's like, no, yeah, man, like, I'll just drive. I'll, I'll come <laughs> yeah. over. We'll, yeah. Hey, can we get you some food? And he's like, y'all, it's fine. Like, I'm just going to come and do the interview. Like, yeah. y'all are great. You know, so yeah, exactly. He was, he could have, he, that guy, if that guy had been a rock star, I would have understood him and been cool with it because mm-hmm. of who he is. But not at all. Like, such a down to earth, amazing. And funny. It's also cool when you see somebody, you know, he has no script for our documentary. We're just asking him questions and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like he's mm-hmm. a legit, he's not funny because he's reading somebody else's funny words. He's like, got it. You know, he's, he's got that.
0: He's got it. He's you got know? it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love hearing that. And also like if you're making the documentary, so, um, it's different than filming a a scene, right? If, if, if with actors, right? Like, you know, when you're getting a good take and you get that relief as a director, like I'm sure when you're filming an interview and it's going well and you're getting like good, you know, pieces of information and good tidbits and stories and anecdotes, it's probably like, yes, this is awesome. Um, and, if you ever have a full cut of the Coolio interview, I would have loved that, that guy. Everything yeah. he said was oh hilarious. Yes.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so good. And that that's another thing that I think shows Nickelodeon willing to push the boundaries. One for having Chris Farley on SNL or on mm-hmm. uh, all that. But also like all the musical guests on all that were not kid guests. They were like Coolio and TLC. Mm. They were like real musicians. Yep. Usher was on there before he was Usher, you yeah. know? And yeah. uh, Aaliyah was on there. They had like legit musicians and they very well could have been like, one, not want not wanting to pay to have that level. I don't know what they paid, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it was a good amount, you know, right. to have mm-hmm. good musicians. But they also knew that kids are okay with that. You know, like they, they very well could have been like, oh, we can't have Coolio on there. He He's a drug guy, you know? Yeah. Oh, right. You know? But they're like, nah, put Coolio on all that.
0: Yeah, no, that made. And it, I think that's great. That made an yeah, appointment.
2: exactly. And when parents are like, "Oh, I don't want you watching that," then like me, they're gonna go and watch it anyway, however <laughs> yep. possible. And then, but no, yeah. I was gonna say, like, yeah.
0: to me, all that was appointment television because just like with SNL, I would be wondering who was the musical guest going to be this week. Yeah. Like that was a big yes. part of my life, especially being like. I don't think people realize that. Like, if you grew up in like the '90s, if you were. 12 or 13 years old at that time, like rap and R&B was, it was the biggest music. So it was like, Whoa, Coolio. Whoa, TLC. TLC was the biggest pop group in the country. Like, right. so like, and they were on the show. They did the theme song yeah, for all yes. that. I know. And, uh, it's just, it's really great stuff. Uh, I can't say enough about it. So let's, let's make sure people know where they can get it. Um, I know it's going to be on all the VOD services. Uh, Mm -hmm. You said you can pre-order it now and then there's physical copies. You can also, I saw Target, uh, Amazon, things of that nature.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You can pre-order it. uh, If you want a physical copy, uh, you can pre-order it at Target or Amazon. Amazon has both DVD and Blu-ray. And if you want to pre-order a digital copy or rent it, you can go to iTunes. Um, but come November 17th, it will also be available to rent and buy on Amazon, the streaming service. Awesome.
0: Very cool. cool. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, now, one thing that did not come to light during this uh, uh, interview or uh, documentary is, Abby, I know you had a childhood friend who claimed they were on Wild and Crazy Kids. And you yes. always said they were a liar. I
2: was so. like, no way. Her <laughs> name was Lisa. Um, I Don't give out her that. name.
0: Don't give out her name. I'm just <laughs> Not I'm just the full <laughs>
2: name. But she was like, yeah, no, we were on an episode of wild and crazy kids. And I was like, all right, which one I've seen every episode. Um, and she was like the one where like you have like a pin on your head and like pop in the balloon full of shaving cream. And I was like, seen that you are not on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> we are not friends um, anymore. So, yeah. so
0: Scott, before we sign off, uh, do you have a, a new project in mind? Are you circling, uh, uh, anything or are you going to take a break?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm working on another documentary right now. Um, and uh it's uh, i haven't officially announced it but it's not a super big secret but um it's about a a musical group and um just like with nickelodeon you want to get slimed this is a a band that if you go see
0: them you will probably get slimed oh
2: i know what you're talking about okay (laughs) very cool
0: that sounds yeah. awesome. Um, Got it. Well, cool. we won't uh, we won't make any official announcements, but I, I'm sure there is a, a whole legion of dedicated mm-hmm. fans who are excited yeah. about excited that.
2: excited about that.
0: Yeah cool empire Fair. records fans might like it too yeah great. Right. Very, oh, cool. cool. very cool very
2: cool
0: uh so i don't think it's any secret we're talking about aerosmith no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> it's, it's, aerosmith. <laughs> it's aerosmith me and steven <laughs> tyler are best friends now we hang out all the time obviously Dude, that's great uh well cool well scott listen thank you so much for joining us tonight this was a lot of fun can't say enough about this documentary i'm gonna watch it again uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself. I laughed. I cried. I did all the things you're supposed to do when you watch a movie. Um, any, uh, final thoughts?
2: I texted my brother and I was like, <laughs> you have to see this. Cause both of us were raised. Oh my on gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I cried. You're going to want to yeah. see this. Yeah. So yeah. The, yeah.
1: the only, the final thought I would say is, you know, everyone always feels that the era that they grew up in the music, the art, the TV was the best. So what we really wanted to do with this documentary is, you know, we know a lot of Generation X people and older millennials, these shows, early Nickelodeon has such a fond place in their heart. And we wanted to go into this saying, is that just nostalgia? Do you have a fond place just because it was what was on TV when you were little? So it reminds you of being a little kid and you feel good. Or is there actually something really special that happened there. Something really magical. And I think we answer this in the documentary. So um, I'm do. excited for people to see it and learn about some people that I, that I want them to learn about.
0: Absolutely. These are some Amen. of them. On Salute Your Shorts, when Sponge, there's one episode where Sponge says, uh, that's pissing me off. Um, yep. I remember being a kid being like, I can't believe they did that because that's awesome. And this is a kid's show <laughs> and he's pissed off about something and he's saying it. And that's exactly yeah. what I would say if I was Sponge right now. So... Uh, yeah, I, I definitely think I completely agree with you. It's not just nostalgia. It's, it's
2: rewatchability. Uh, yeah. Like the it, fact that it stayed, it was good then it is good now when you absolutely. go back to it.
0: Um, well, Scott, we will uh, catch up down the road. I, I hope this is not your only time on yes. Have some. And, Me too uh, <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we will, a uh, physical challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, we're <laughs> going to have an obstacle course set up for everybody. Um, we'll, I've tried good luck with the release and, uh, May you uh, may you touch the hearts of all the what, older millennials. I like that because that's what we are.
2: Older millennials. <laughs> older millennials. Older millennials, right? Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, I, and I hope these new kids watch it and go, wow, we have nothing like this because they don't. Because unboxing videos on YouTube are not going to be anything compared to Nickelodeon. There, I said it. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, Scott. Have a good one, man. Thanks, guys. Thank thanks thanks you so much for having me. Bye, yeah, y'all.
2: of course. Appreciate it.